Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast, Episode 25. I'm Michael John Simpson. This is the third and final episode I recorded at Gallifrey One. Our guest is an old friend of mine from Denver, long-running sci-fi convention attendee and staffer, co-founder of Denver Comic-Con, and all-around nerd Michael Newman. We sat down the last day of Galley and talked about our Rocky Horror Picture Show cast days, Penn Gillette's movie night, Gallifrey One, John Barrowman, Galley Ribbons, Denver Comic Con, Nerd Culture and Fandom, the Denver International Film Festival, Tim Curry, Cosplay Parenting, Doctor Who, Star Wars The Special Editions, Peter Capaldi, and the all-embracing nature of modern fandom. Geronimo! Here's episode 25 of the Something Something Experience. Um, so, uh, good weekend, yeah? Oh, absolutely, I'm having a great time. Actually, before we get started, though, I mean, we're in a hotel room, and I'm looking around, I do not see a spread. What is what is up with this? Because, didn't I have a writer about that? Oh, what? Did my agent, did my agent, figure, Bernie, Bernie, is Bernie here? Can we get my agent in here? Where, where, where's the food, where's the spread? Oh, wait, say, I'm sorry, I'm at a bridge sci-fi guy. Bernard, Bernard, <laughs> where's the spread? No, I'm just kidding, I'm just messing with Michael. Michael did not know that I was going to do that. <laughs> I'm like... Okay, he's doing a bit. <laughs> <laughs> we've been doing bits on each other for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Michael and I have known each other. For, uh, yes. Michael and Michael have known each other for a very long time. Since yes, he the always 1900s, drops in bits. Right. 1986 <laughs> or 87. Yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood. At Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> yeah. You were the cast manager. Actually, yeah. you weren't quite the cast manager. Yeah, I don't think yet. I was the manager at the time. I think he became the cast you manager. Very short, yeah. like within a year of me going there. Yeah. The first time I went, our mutual friend Willow. Hi, Willow, mm-hmm. if you're listening. Because yep. um, she went to my high school. Yeah. Yes, she went to GW with you yep. and all the other crazy kids that I've talked about on this podcast <laughs> before. Um, those those inner city goth kids that all she introduced me to. Uh, it, was, it was great. It was weird. She took me to Rocky Horror, and within three weeks, I was the narrator. I was Chucky. I was Charles. That's Gray, right. So, that was yeah, your way in. That was my. Yeah, way I think in. we both did it the same way because I went for like a year and just kind of observed, and then I looked and see, okay, where can I slip in? Where it would be pretty easy to join the cast, and it mm-hmm. was um, the doctor. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dr. Everett Scott. Dr. Everett Scott, yes, that's yes. right. Yeah, so I joined in as that. Played by a big, large, bearded man named Larry, I think it was. I can't remember. Larry. Oh, yes, at the time, yeah. The, yeah, he had... Or Keith, 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 Keith. Okay. Keith, he had glasses and a big, giant, rhododendron bush beard. Okay. And named Keith, uh, and he played the played the Many Dr. brain Scott. cells ago. <laughs> and he had his own wheelchair, I think that's why he had the game. And that's how I got it initially, because I had done the same thing. I actually rented one from King Supers <laughs> and just never returned it. Oh. <laughs> and well. then used it for like over a year at Rocky Horror. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the statute of limitations is well. Yeah, I would hope so, yeah. <laughs> I didn't um. kill the wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then and then... You became cast manager, and yep. then our Frankie—I uh, can't remember her name—but she left, <sighs> yeah, and I, I stepped info in somewhere. Yep. And because I made my own Frankenfurter outfit right. out of car seat material, and you what, had no shame, and I had no shame—that's the other prerequisite. You own the costume and no shame. But I, but it's really weird. I, I when I first moved to California in '97, uh, nine, I think in 2002 or three ish, I went to the new art cast. They are called Sins of the Flesh. Mm-hmm. I'm actually friends with a lot of them now, but. They are amazing. The costume. I mean, yeah. you talk about the cosplay thing, and obviously Rocky Horror is one of the first things that people cosplayed as, but you were actually being on a cast, doing shadow casting mm-hmm. of a movie. And our costumes were just thrown together, I and mean, we were all dirt poor, and, and you know... And, it was and Denver. Yeah, yeah, Denver. <laughs> and then out here, the, the costumes, they were all just picture perfect. Yeah. It's really funny, because you did... 
we did like the opposite. You went to L.A. and I went to New York, right? So right. I went to like the mothership, the Eighth Street Playhouse, yes. which which wasn't at the Eighth Street Playhouse. I think already at the time. I think it had moved like two or three times since then. I can't remember which theater it was at, but it was still that cast. It was the mm-hmm. classic, you know, who you saw in, in, you know, all of us on fame with Sal Piro who oh, yes. started the fan club yep. and it was his yep. cast that he was still running at the time. Yep. And, and I, and I went semi-regularly and got to know some of the people, but I never like joined into or anything. I was right. going to college, so I was right, a busy, right. but, but it's just you, so funny that we each had that experience yeah. that, you know, you, you went to the, to the LA cast and I went to the New York cast. Yeah. One other thing I remember you doing while you were there, you were going to Pendulette's movie night every week. That's true. Every, yes. Every Saturday Yeah. Night. Yeah. That's... Pendulette had a thing. I have no idea whether he does now because this is well he's in Vegas 25 oh that's true yeah he lives in Vegas he used to have a thing a standing thing that you had to just know someone to know someone to do this that he would uh, meet at the Howard Johnson's in Times Square for Mm -hmm. dinner at like I guess it would have been like 8, 9 o'clock somewhere in that neighborhood and then you would have dinner with him and whoever showed up any celebrity friends of his that knew about it or just any people who were like friends of friends who brought someone to go to it and you would have dinner and then you would go to a movie in Times Square and there were like this whole set of rules that they had built up around this event the Penn's movie night that you had to pick whatever looked like in advance the worst movie that would be opening in Times Square at midnight that weekend right and then there was a whole set of making fun of the movie kind of things it's like if the name of the movie was said during the you'd movie say, you'd clap yeah something and like then that there was something else you'd say wow right and, and then it, if it was the name of the movie that you're watching you would clap if the, the full actual exact title of another movie got mentioned that's when you would go wow. wow yeah and you guys had all these rules and you wind up actually getting kicked out of theaters a few times sometimes yeah, yeah. but that's why you would pick the worst movie because you, know, yeah. you figure you know people are already Nobody's gonna bitch about yeah. a, a shitty movie yeah, exactly right? we're yeah. not yeah if we're not going to the Oscar winner at midnight on a Friday night and you know, <laughs> <laughs> trying to yeah. make fun of it. <laughs> You're not going to shit on, on Golden. Pond but yeah, no, that was that was a great time. It yeah. was. Uh, I'd actually been brought in by Brian, who I worked with at a movie. Th- I worked at a, at a video store in the Village because I was going to film school in New York, and I got a job at at a like the local video store in the Village that all the celebrities went to and everything. And there was a guy there, Brian, who was like the store celebrity who like you know was the neighborhood person that everyone knew about and so the celebrities would come in and ask for Brian oh wow, wow. <laughs> and so I made friends with him really fast really fast yeah. <laughs> so were you were you going to Columbia or were you going to no, New I, York I, City I went College? to NYU NYU yeah, yeah NYU yeah, yeah. was the first school I went to and I like to say I schooled around a lot I, I went to a semester at NYU and that's when I found that job at the video store in the village and then afterwards I went to a couple different schools I went to school of visual arts for a time I went to City College for a time and then I ended up at uh, what at the time was new school for so Social research and now is actually called New School University. Oh. <laughs> really oh. weird when the alma mater changes names, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, so then you moved back to mm-hmm. Denver yep. just before or just after we moved to LA? I don't oh. remember. We moved in. I think you moved to LA while I was still in New York. Yeah, we were in uh, uh, '97. So, in the very end, December '97, we moved to LA. Oh no, that, no, that's right. No, it was way after because was, I moved back and then right. we hung out for several years. Well, that's we did. That's right. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we both we, kind of just spaced right, on that. Did. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You moved back and then right because we have that. Yeah, because it was like three years. Because I moved back Halloween, like ninety four, ninety yeah. seven. We had a picture of us all dressed as men in black for Halloween. You, oh, me, and yes, Forrest. That's right. With the with the neuralizer and the gun. And that's all right. That stuff. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah, that was that was fun. That yeah, was three of us doing. I still have that coat. I actually said I still have the neuralizer. I still have that suit. It doesn't fit, but I have a newer suit than that. But I still have the 
long coat that I bought. With so yeah, that's right. I moved back in like it was in like '94, and you guys left in like '97. Right, so. right, right. Yeah. yeah. And I have, I, I think I can count on one hand the number of occasions I've actually been able to wear that full length wool trench coat oh, in Los Angeles. Yeah, of course. And it's usually only in the dead, you know, the coldest part of the year, which is usually. Dece- either December or February when it's yeah. raining at some point and very cold at night. But, you know, our, our winters here just are not, they're not winters. So <laughs> It's really funny because, yeah, just about two months ago I was going to be doing this uh, New Year's Eve event. I uh, volunteer for the local anime convention in mm-hmm. Denver, uh, mm-hmm. Nondiscon, and they do a, a kind of dress-up New Year's Eve event for that audience. That audience is primarily like teenagers is who goes to the con. Sure. So they like to do these safe events for the teenagers, so they, they rent space at a hotel and do like a you know, required formal attire. Like you have to, you know, they have rules for the kids. It's like you can't just come in like t-shirt and jeans. You have to be dressed up or in cosplay. And, That's cool. And, so, uh, and then so I volunteer there as one of their like volunteer casino Things we do like a safe casino, so that you know, no money changing hands. It's sure, all for sure, charity. Sure. They actually every year they they take money for different charities. Oh, that's nice. And uh, so I was going to do that event this year. I like was dealing blackjack and stuff like that. And it's a lot of fun thing to do, nice. and just a nice thing to be doing a safe New Year's Eve for the kids. Great. And um, and I went to go get a tux like the day before. I, I was intending to rent a tux, so I go to the place where you go rent tuxes and realize like, yeah, you can't really rent a tux the day before New Year's no, Eve. They were going to really charge can't. so much money for that, and then they said, okay, well we have all the used ones, and you know. They told, gave me a price on that, and so like I bought a tux. I now own a tux. I have no idea when I'm going to wear a tux again, <laughs> but I now own a tux. I need more friends to start getting married or something because it was way cheaper. It was like going to be two hundred fifty dollars to like rent a tux, and it was like one hundred and ten dollars to buy a tux. Yeah, sure. So sure. I now own a tux. Yeah, you can actually. I mean, there's there's a lot of those uh, kind of men's suit warehouses in LA, and you can actually yeah. buy tuxes out here for relatively cheap too. So we should probably talk about sci-fi stuff or something like that. Oh right well, you know, the, <laughs> it, it, the, the, the the tagline is a podcast about everything. That's we true. Talk about anything and everything okay. goes. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's just free form. But anyway, bringing back to sci-fi. So um, what? So we're at obviously we're at Gallifrey One yep. uh, for 2015. What was your uh, highlight of your of your con this year? Oh, other I, than John Berriman groping your ass—that's what at I was about to say. Sorry, sorry, yeah, I, yeah, I it. it is the highlight. Right, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, tell you, I'll edit it out, and you can go. So, what was the highlight <laughs> of your con? Well, I joked to everyone yesterday on Saturday that I fully expect at some point, based on all the stories I've told, that John Berriman will grope me at some at some point during the day. So, I'd actually went to the evening reception. They have these like evening receptions where you can pay extra and you get like more alone time with the FaceTime. So, yeah, FaceTime with with the guests. Like you, you're in little pods of people so there's like five six little gatherings of you know like 10 15 people and they have like six or seven celebrities rotate among you so you get this little grouping and it's like really close i mean you're two three feet away in some cases from the celebrities and um john barrowman was doing the one last night so you know he'd finished his whole time with our group uh, which was great and he was hilarious and he was john barrowman and you know, doing everything you want to do and everything you want to hear and as he's walking away from us to go to the next group you know he walks right by me and i kind of lean in to, you know, whisper to him, you know, I've been telling people all day that I fully expected to be groped by you. So I grabbed my left ass cheek. All right. Yeah. High five. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I... Uh, I, I might have it bronze. Right? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, did, I uh, right after it happened, I went and I paid the $45 for mm-hmm. a photo session with John Behrman and uh, got in and they, they had this, this amazing kind of super-duper clockwork organization thing where they get three or four hundred people in past, in in with a, with a guest, do photos and in and out 
300 people within like a half an hour. It's just like bam, 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 bam. And they have this technology now where they take a picture and within 45 seconds it spits out of a color printer oh, course, on yeah. photo paper mm-hmm. and it's gorgeous. Yeah, and they've got that like, down pat. It's <laughs> crazy and it, yeah. it's really good. I mean, they've, I mean, there's 30, 3,700 people at the convention and they've gone through thousands of people all wanting to get their photo with this, right. that, and the other thing. One of the cool things this year was they had the, um, all but one of the main uh, Torchwood cast here, yeah. and people were spending 150 bucks to get there with with with, uh, with Barrowman, E.B. Miles, uh, John, uh, Bird Gorman, and um, uh, I can't remember I can her never name. remember no, her Naoko. name. She plays Tasha. Right. Tasha. Yeah. Toshiko. Tosh, yeah. Tosh. So, anyway. <laughs> but um, she was great. I saw all of them at one point or another on stage in the main events, and they were all wonderful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody's great. I uh, My highlight of the con was uh, working. I, I'm actually a member of the staff, and I've been monitoring room, programming room D all weekend and, you know, telling pod, you know, telling uh, panels five minutes to go and, you know, cycling people in and out and just trying to keep the crowds moving and the, the panels starting and stopping on time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um... The uh, uh, I'm right across from the photo studio, and uh, Evie Miles is in doing her photo shoot, and there's people coming through, and they finally get through the very, very end of the line, call for the last person. Barrowman comes and hides outside of the door out in the hallway, and it's like, shh, and so they tell him, like, and so they go up to Evie and they said, okay, Evie, we've got one last final uh, person wanting a photo with you, and uh, uh, he's a bit shy. I think he might even have Asperger's or something. Might be low-end uh, spectrum. And she goes, oh, and she said, I just want to prepare you. And it's like, okay. She goes, okay. And she's just looking really kind of, you know, tentative or whatever. And Barrowman just comes barreling in. She's like, ah! They race it. Immediately bends her over, grabs her hair, and starts dry-humping her in front of the camera. And it's just, and everybody's laughing, and they're just like, ooh, ee, ooh, you know, doing all yeah. these wonderful poses. And, and everybody's out in the hallway, click, 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 click. I'm sure it'll be all over Facebook this week, but yeah, it was uh, it was that was quite the highlight of my my. Well, car. considering every story that everyone told about him all involved him being on set taking out his genitals. Oh, that yeah. was like the yeah. story. I mean, yeah. you know, there's actually there's actually quite a substan- substantial amount of rumors uh, of verified rumors that basically the reason why Eccleston only did one season one series of Doctor Who was because he got tired of looking at Barrowman's junk because he kept pulling it out all over the place and it made him uncomfortable and he said, mm-hmm. "I don't want to do this anymore." Which is kind of sad for him, and you know, and actually, for the most part, I kind of think it's kind of sad for Eccleston. Like, whatever, <laughs> yeah. but you know, you know, some people just if, if you're not comfortable, you're not comfortable, whatever. But um, yeah. but uh, no, I thought it was. A, I've had a really great time. I've been here since Thursday night. It kind of starts with like the Thursday night lobby con they call it where people gather and sure, start yeah. hanging out, and there's a the whole ribbon thing which I had known about but was not really like hip or into or was really thinking in advance and I'm going to do the whole ribbon thing. What they do is all the people here show up with these ribbons and you trade them with them so that you keep adding them to your badge. So it's, so it's like the little four strips or whatever. Convention badges. Yeah, they're ribbons. basically convention badges you know, but with the strip along the side you know, instead of the top or I guess it, yeah, people do yeah, it different ways. Yeah. But they print things on them. They print sayings of Doctor Who and images and stuff like that and then they come here and they trade them and with the idea being that you keep adding them to your badge so that you have this long multicolored strip which essentially looks like the fourth doctor's kind scarf. of yeah i mean you people know, it's reminiscent of the I, fourth I've doctor's scarf some <laughs> of the uh the teens in early 20s with two and three hundred foot they actually had yeah. a, a measuring contest here one year like an unofficial contest <laughs> to measure for ribbons and uh 
uh, somebody had like a 300 foot uh, string wow. of yeah, all, I've seen people roll all, it like toilet paper. Yes, <laughs> all individual ribbons, yeah. two, three hundred feet of of all original wow, ribbons. Yeah, and these see, ribbons are only some of them are an inch or two inches yeah. wide, you know, and and. Uh, but they're, I mean, the original, those ribbons were originally meant for other conventions to be put on a badge to designate as a title or something right. like that or, yeah. you know, whatever, or, or to access to certain areas, something like that. Yeah, I've but, seen people who have it wrapped around multiple times, like toilet paper. I've seen people who had them in, like, layers, so they would uh-huh. do it, so they didn't get too long. They layered them. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So you that, have, like, folding layers. I saw that. when I was just talking to Chase Masterson a little while ago at her table, two gentlemen came up who had done them out wide, so it was like... They, they, it was like a wall. It was like a multicolored wall. It was like Joseph's Technicolor Dreamcoat or something. You know? Girls are making skirts out of them. <laughs> yeah. And, and, it's and crazy. dresses out of them. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. And uh, it, it's a thing. It's and fun. And so I, I hadn't really put a lot of thought into it. I, I actually, uh, one of the people that I was hanging out with here was coming from Denver was the person who runs our Doctor Who track at, at our local Comic-Con. And uh, so she'd asked me in advance, you know, are you going to do the ribbon thing? I was like, oh, I don't know. It's not that big a thing. But I think people can smell a Gallifrey one virgin and so people just kept offering them to me all weekend so yes, I've got yes. a fairly well, I, I, collect, <laughs> I collect them for the kids yeah. the, the fad has kind of died off with uh, especially Trevor but um, years past, he was very really big into collecting the ribbons. The kids really like cool. it, but but now I've been I was collecting for him, and I just basically started leaving him on his pillow in the hotel room. So, <laughs> like a and mint, just, I just put him in my pocket and just yeah, like a mint. <laughs> um, speaking of your team, your your thing, let's talk okay. about uh, Denver Comic Con. Sure. So tell me, I don't know that much about it. So you how okay. many? How many, When did it start? How did you get involved in starting it and founding it and blah blah blah? What's your position? Just okay, talk. sure. Uh, I'll Plug all the geek cred. Um, so, I mean, for me, it goes way back to, I mean, I started doing conventions back in, like, when I was nine years old. So, you were Starfest, right? Uh, no, no, way before that. This oh. goes back to when I grew up in Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, no, I started in uh, Houston Con 79 was my first convention wow. where my parents had you know knew that I was into that kind of stuff they knew I was into comic books and you know Star Trek and stuff like that and they'd seen it on TV and this is how like a lot of people go to their first con you know the local TV showed it on Friday you know showed the people walking around in costumes in the dealer's room and you know they looked you know, at that and my mom said you know that's something he might be into it might be fun so they took me that Sunday and uh, they've never been to another convention in the some however many decades since and I've been to hundreds I have absolutely no idea it's been over 30 years that I've now been going to them I I started volunteering at them maybe three years later when I was like 12 years old mm-hmm. so I've been on staffs at cons since like 1982 wow um, in various capacities I mean just as like a runner doing AV um, I did it all growing up in Houston and then when I moved to Denver I didn't really keep up with that but I started going to the local ones in Denver I went to, to Starfest uh, Mile High Con some of the other cons in Denver Denver, and then I did it a little bit in college in New York, not nearly as much. I was a little bit busy with college. Uh, there it was mostly like the bigger glitzy like creation shows, so I so I would go to those some of oh, those. Oh, creation, yeah, 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 yeah. They did a big show every year, but then when I got back to Denver, uh, when I moved back in my twenties, I started going to Starfest again, and then it was like. The very first time I got involved in Denver was when the Star Wars Celebration was coming, and they mm. were soliciting people to volunteer at it at Starfest. Okay. So I joined up there to be on part of the volunteers at, at uh, Celebration, and then from there on, that was like 1999, 
and I've been regularly part of the Denver convention scene like ever since. I've, I've worked in various capacities at Starfest. I was on the security staff for five years, um, doing some of what you were doing today. Sure. You know, monitoring a room, sure. and, you know, some of just badge watching and stuff like that. Sure. And, you know, just checking for people. And, it, and I started getting to know people because people remember you as the person standing at the doorway. You know, I, I've seen a thousand of you today, but you remember me because I was the one person standing at the doorway. So I got to know a lot of people in the scene, and. Um, and then kind of went from there to, at Starfest, running a video room. Um, an old friend of ours, Jefferson uh, Powers. Jeff uh, Powers, yeah, yeah. Jeff Powers, he actually used to run the British sci-fi room at Starfest. Nice. And he contacted me and said that he was going to be giving that up. And uh, and I told him, well, don't just give up the room. Tell him you have something to replace it with. Because I had had an idea in my head for years that I'd wanted to do a video room of superhero movies and TV shows. Cool. Which is kind of my passion and my right, thing nice. that I'm into. And um, so he so he told them that, and they were like, yeah, sure. And so I took over that, and I did that for like seven years. <laughs> I ran the superhero movie and TV show video room at Starfest. Very cool. Um, and went from there to Starfest that expanded out into doing conventions at uh, the other hotels. That There's like a grouping of three hotels in that local area in the Denver Tech Center. Sure. And so they expanded out to doing like a horror con. Oh, is, is Denver yeah. Convention Center down in Denver Tech? It's not downtown? No, no, no. No, the convention center itself is downtown. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, this is still at the hotels in the Tech Center. Ah, gotcha. Good. Yeah, so they so they had expanded out from the Marriott there to the Hilton there to the Hyatt there to doing all these additional shows, and one of the ones that they were doing was a comic fest. And uh, so I I kind of joined up with the people there and started helping out, and, and the last year that I was doing it, I was helping to run Comic Fest and really kind of cut my teeth on doing a show from beginning to end it was uh, uh, me and a couple of people um, but primarily kind of the top two were me and Bruce McIntosh um, who's like well known in the, in the comic convention scene uh, he goes to a lot of conventions around the country he's, okay. he's very well known Cool. Um, and so he and I had kind of been the main grouping there at, at Denver Comic Fest that year and really pulled together a lot of the local artists and local people and really kind of built a network there and around that same time, some people that he knew from other conventions, and actually people who he and I had been on a panel with at Denver Comic Fest, were starting, had just started up a nonprofit um, called uh, the Comic Book Classroom at the time. Mm. Okay. And their mission was to do a after-school program for kids, where they go into the schools and they teach kids in a six-week program to write and draw their own comics as a way to promote literacy, team building, sense of accomplishment, artistry, art. Yeah, exactly. Great. Everything. Fantastic. Yeah, that work, sounds great. Yeah, exactly. And, and they love it and we bring in with like no money to the schools no money to the kids we, we do everything ourselves you know and it's a great program that is now like in like a couple dozen schools um, and has been in like dozens of schools over the last couple of years they were interested in doing a con and so you know Bruce and I and a couple other people we'd always talked about you know let's do you know a bigger con and so the two groups kind of got together and said you know let's do a big con because you know the comic cons were really going nuts at that time you know the the downtown big you know celebrity festival you know with covering every area of you know sci-fi fandom you know still having stuff for anime and mm-hmm. having stuff for you know sci-fi and star wars and star trek and kind of covering all the words and and you know definitely on somewhat of the san diego comic-con model but definitely on some of the other shows regional shows around the country like emerald city comic-con was mm-hmm. a good reference for us in seattle um there are a lot of like good shows that were really growing in size because of the whole zeitgeist that was happening at the time of like the Marvel movies and everything. Mm, and things mm. were really blowing up, and we knew that someone was going to do this type of show in Denver. Yeah, and we said, well, "Why? Well, why can't it be us? us? Yeah, it might as well be us." So, so we kind of joined together as that organization. Um, we we ended up you know making the decisions that we had to make that it was going to be Denver Comic Con because if it's not called Comic Con, someone else is going to do it. You right, know? right. Um, it, it better... There's no there's no infringement on that of, of the San Diego Comic Con. Not that I'm aware of. Comic- no. 
Comic-Con is a generic well, the, industry yeah, there's, term. There's been discussions back and forth on that. There's a pending thing between them and Salt Lake City Comic-Con, so... Oh, wow. I can't I can't fully comment mm. on that. But um but you know there were certain things that we knew were like the prerequisites. It had to be the downtown convention center cuz no one was doing that and that was a big risk and a big scare was you know can we pull this off at the downtown convention center cuz it's the scale of everything just gets much bigger, the cost of everything get much bigger. And it was kind of if we build it they will come kind of idea where we said, you know, if we don't do it someone else is going to, you know, so let's let's do it. Let's make the big bet and we you know started soliciting dealers and tickets as soon as we could and you know trying to get celebrities lined up and you know put enough in place to start really getting enough sales to you know say that this is can happen and the whole first year ended up being a lot of every conversation was just trying to convince people that it was going to work to say yeah, you know, yeah, we know what we're doing we have a good concept we think we can make this work you know be part of us you know to dealers to to you know, people buying tickets to celebrities to the agents it's you know it was just con- to the convention center itself to all the vendors you know to all the people you have to work with to, to put down on something like that it was just convincing them all this is going to work. We, 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 you know, of course, we had to believe it ourselves. Um, people had asked me, you know, being the con guy, being the one who like came in saying, "Okay, I think I know how to run a con." You know, uh, I had said in, in a in a new city that hasn't done this kind of show where everyone else was poo pooing it and saying, "You know, well, this city won't support a bigger event." You know, that's why no one's been doing it. You know, I said, "Okay, if we do like five thousand total attendance our first year, we'll be doing pretty good." We did 27,700 our first year, which basically supported the contention that Denver had been waiting for this year. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're doing this. This is happening. And yeah. it's just grown for the three years since. Our second year was even bigger. We doubled in size. Isn't it yeah. funny how Denver continually continues, I guess, to still think of itself as a, ta- as a, just, I know, it, a it just does. a big town? You know, instead well, of... No, I think it... I, I, I actually think it thinks of itself as a small town. I, I think a right, lot of people. I think a lot of people think of it uh, still referring to it as a cow town, and it's really yeah. not. I mean, wouldn't we used to say that it's a cow town, cow town with a glandular problem? I, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, and the other thing is, there's only twelve of us. Everyone else is just extras because oh, we okay. have all that cross pollination with all these different circles of friends. And sure. This person knows that person, and yeah. you wind up meeting people at parties, and it's like, I didn't know. Oh, you. Yeah. oh yeah, there's only twelve of us. Everybody Absolutely. else is extras. Yeah. But no, it's been great. I mean, the response has been exactly what we'd hoped for. I mean, you, what you want in, in a convention like that, you want to see, like, the downtown flooded with people in costumes. and you know, right. Thousands of people yeah, in costumes. Yeah. And we didn't know, you know, up until it happened. I mean, up until the day the show started, was that going to work? Were the people going to show up? You know, were they going to be in costume? Were they going to know what this was like? You know, were they going to know how to do things at a Comic-Con that it was different well, I than the small that, shows? I mean, San Diego Comic-Con has such an international draw, yeah. especially in the United States. So I imagine probably a lot of your, your, your patrons, your, yeah. your members, have gone that was the expectation. To those other yeah. shows, yeah. So they know how they know the deal. Well, they've really. seen it on TV because now, especially like you know, it's it, it's been there've been documentaries and it shows up on other TV shows. You had, I mean, you had, like I said, there are a couple things like the Marvel movies were a big thing. Big Bang Theory is a big is a big oh, thing yeah, because yeah, yeah, with Big Bang Theory, you've got all those people that you know, nerd culture is now culture. Yeah. You know, it's now in everything, and it's yeah. it's now all the people who felt ostracized or thought it was not cool to be into this stuff now it's very cool to be into this yeah. stuff and now it's great to have an outlet to go be into this stuff to and realize it's funny the go. people the, the, the types of people who used to beat the shit out of us right. and, and make <laughs> us feel like, like dirt for liking the shit that we like right. are really into this now stuff they're like you know too. about comic books okay tell me you know, yeah, you know, yeah, what yeah. stuff are you into I, yeah. I love this one I yeah, love that yeah, one yeah. Or, yeah. or you know I love Walking Dead you jocks know? <laughs> like stuff like, like nerd stuff now too oh yeah everyone you know, I, is into I, it my only thing is I, I wish as the the kind of bash of, of primetime television representation of nerd culture. I would much rather it have been community and that had continued rather than... Yeah. Because than, uh, <laughs> from, from a... 
For me, what people who live in Iowa think of nerds, right. uh, 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 Big, Big Bang, Bang Theory, Theory is more, great. It's great. It's, it's, but a, but it's also more of a stereotype. Those yeah. of us who are <laughs> actual nerds and who actually, yeah. you know, really are nerdy, I think the community was the nerdiest show on television, without yeah. question. It was definitely the smarter, nerdier show. <laughs> well, not even just in terms of being smart, but in yeah. terms of being genuine. I mean, you yeah. see the, the characters in the show... The whole Professor Spacetime thing, whether you whatever side of that you fall on, um, um, you know the characters in the show behaving like actual real nerds and being passionate about something like that. And but uh, um, yeah, and there were other aspects of other shows that were like that too. But yeah, Community. I'm I'm really sorry, Community's gone, but it's coming back actually. Oh, is it? Yeah, no, I hadn't heard. Oh yeah, no, they they shot a new season. It's showing up on Yahoo. Oh Yahoo, that's right. You're right. I did. Yeah, that's starting. I I don't know if they said it. I think they did announce a date. I just can't remember. But it's sometime in the next couple months. That's great. So yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, it will be a Yahoo web series because everything's a web series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazon and that's where the money is. I mean, that's you know that's where they're willing to take chances, which is people don't want to wait for their shit anymore. Everybody, I mean, we're unfortunately the the media industry is fostering that notion of of instant gratification for everyone, and we're we're. We're kind of, I mean, they're they're kind of destroying TV almost, episodic TV, and and um, there's everything's binge watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the binge watching thing. I'm still looking forward to Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> the series. Yeah. Yes, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's the first of the five that they're going to do on Netflix, and I think it's like April. 22nd or somewhere in there around that neighborhood is yeah. where it's going to be all the episodes all in yeah. one day. That's going to be that's great, amazing. <laughs> so, what do you now? What do you do at? at uh, and you started off as a founder, obviously. But yeah, now kind yeah. Of I was one of the people who started it, and I was one of the original directors. And originally, the first couple of years for me, it was more about doing a lot of the the things that made sure that you know people got in the door properly, and that the money came in, and and you know that we were financially stable, and that you know the show could live on and have a life of its own and and now there's a lot of other people who have you know taken on a lot of those roles and they're doing really well at that really well at it and so I definitely felt for me it was time to say you know okay now I'd like to do stuff that's more fun for me and I'd always wanted to get back into programming doing more of the stuff that I was doing sure. back at Starfest sure. and so as of this year now I'm actually going to be running the main event stage so I'll be I'll be running the celebrity room mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. the main the main celebrity room is what I'll be doing so the green room and the, yeah alright yeah so I'm focused a lot on that on just uh, you know like we're looking at really Making that room feel like the like the real special experience that it should be for sure. everybody, and sure. just making sure that sure. everything sure. runs there. And 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 which is not to say that anything's not been doing that well. It's just there wasn't a single point person who is in charge of that room. And so now that's going to be me. So cool. I'm really looking forward to that, and I'm starting to build a really great team. Well, you've been I know you've been taking notes this weekend. Oh, on yeah. Little how tos <laughs> and, and how to make this look better. How to yeah, make I do that, that at cons all the time. I yeah. always like take notes of this worked, this didn't work. Here's something I could do better. Yeah, you know, here's, here's yeah. something that they're doing that great. I'm going to steal that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're ready. We've got uh, our shows in two months. We're Memorial Day weekend this year, um, you know, which we're we're gonna see how that works for us. Um, we've been on Father's Day weekend twice, and I think we were like uh, a couple of weeks after uh, Memorial Day weekend one year. So it kind of shifts around a lot, and that's always at the you're at the mercy of the venue. I mean, the convention sure. center always gives you like a choice of two weekends, and you gotta and you're and you hate both of them, and you gotta choose the one that you right. think is going to work better for you yeah. out of the two. You know? right, right. So I think this year it was like... I think, I think it's very helpful to have a three-day weekend uh, you know, to, yeah. to, to do it. I mean, we Galley is always uh, President's Day weekend because right. <laughs> most people have mo- that Monday off. You know, right. So, <laughs> um, so what... Um, 
Tell us about. Oh well, let's go into the guest list and sure, stuff for, sure. for this year. For yeah, for no, we've got some great people coming. I mean, we're really excited. Um, well, one of the things I'm trying to do this year is um, for the moderators, for the people actually on stage interviewing the celebrities, we're going to use a couple of different types of people. And one of the things we're going to be doing is uh, having other celebrities interview celebrities. So it's almost a twofer. Nice. So, so you're going to get you know one person interviewing the other person, and because there are a lot of actors that are kind of into doing that, and they've done new stuff or you know they have experience in various things. So one of the people we've just announced recently was Garrett Wang uh, from uh, Star Trek Voyager. Okay. And so he's actually going to be one of our celebrity moderators. So he's going to be talking to some of the other celebrities. Cool. Very cool. Um, we've got a really good slate of people from the Whedonverse, so a lot of uh, Buffy and Angel and Serenity people that we're really, really excited about. That's definitely an area that you know a lot of us are really big fans of, and we love to have those people there, and, and they're really great with the audience. Uh, we've got Amy Acker from Angel um, coming. We've got uh, Emma Caulfield, who was from Buffy. Mm-hmm. She was Anya on there. Uh, let's see. We've got Jewel State from Serenity. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, She's from Hawaii. Oh, really? I believe so. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Alan Tudyk, who also was from Sony mm-hmm. Wash, and people still sad about him in the movie. I'm not going to yeah. spoil it if yeah. you haven't seen the movie. <laughs> if you haven't seen it by now, he dies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, beyond that, we've got uh, so, you know, people that we're really excited about. We've got uh, Scott Wilson from The Walking Dead. Um, so really oh, cool. F- see him there. Um, I actually met him a couple of years ago at the Denver Film Festival, like, you know, the regular... Like, more serious movies and you know the full full Denver International Film Festival that they have in November I actually uh, walked in to see a film he was actually being are they still doing the Denver International oh, yeah. Film it's Festival huge. oh yeah. wow because well, no, I, I was there the first year when it oh, was wow. uh, um, Catherine my ex-wife at the wife at the time she was working for, for Westward oh, and okay. it was the Westward in Denver International right. Film Festival <laughs> I don't know if it still is or not but um, no and, it's now the Stars ah, gotcha. Stars International okay, Film Festival okay. and now it was and at the time it was um that's how I wound up on the radio with uh, Ray Harryhausen. Uh, oh, nice. Years before he died. <laughs> this was probably 89 or 90, and, and uh, maybe 89, 88, something like that. But we, uh, it was that first one in Denver, and they had uh, they showed Crimes and Misdemeanors was the big oh, nice. film. Okay. And they had Martin Lando and, and uh, uh, there. Woody Allen, of course, never shows up to anything. But, um, <laughs> and now why would you want to? Um, especially if your kid's around. Um Anyway, uh, yeah, no, that was cool. I got to be on the radio with Ray Harryhouse, and that was a pleasure, because there was a guy who worked for KOA Radio, who, back in the days when they actually interviewed people and talked to people on radio, <laughs> radio is this thing that, it's like the internet, it's like YouTube, but it's only sound, and it kind of comes over the airwaves. And you couldn't you control it. special you, device, you yeah. can't start and stop it, it just kind of yeah. runs all the time. Um, actually, it's kind of like a cell phone, but you can't call people. Anyway, um... <laughs> Um, <laughs> millennials. Um, there was a, and I don't remember the name of the reporter now, but he was covering it, and he knew me from the end of Rocky Horror. But you had already moved to New York, yeah. and the <laughs> very last showing, the, the last showing of Rocky Horror Picture Show on a Saturday night at the Ogden Theater in Denver. I was there, so was the Rocky Mountain News. My picture was in the Rocky Mountain News. I was no longer on the cast either, but I was just kind of there for the last hurrah, and they took a picture of me and a whole bunch of other people. And uh, so I have that in my Rocky Horror Picture Show official show uh, movie book mm-hmm. with a cl- a piece of film strip from the Time Warp that oh, had nice. fallen out of the copy that the Ogden had and the newspaper clipping of me in there with everybody who was... Uh, on the cast at the time and uh, yeah that was pretty good Um, there was a girl on the cast who looks like the actress who plays Stan's wife on American Dad 
and I can't remember either oh. the name of the wife or the name of the actress, <laughs> but there was a girl on, on staff. She, she On the cast, she was like 14 at the time. She looked just like her. Because wow. she had done a lot of TV acting at the time, too. It was like, um, you know, she was on Night Court and a few other things like that, but kind of was uncanny how much she looked like her. <laughs> and now she's the voice of the wife on, on Family Guy. Oh, nice. um, but anyway, not not the girl in the, in the show, but she looked like the actress. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Anyway, so just people who look like people. But anyway. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so he knew us because he was there covering that for KOA they did a live radio thing for for the you know before and after of the movie and blah 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 and then um, so he came to the International Film Festival saw me and said hey you want come you know, come with me let's be on the radio with Ray Harryhausen and I'm like yeah, yeah so yeah I got kind of you know dragged into doing that and that was pretty cool um but uh, so, did he stop every couple of minutes and pose you, move your head slightly, and move your arm down? And you know, if you're going to be animated and talking to me, here's how I want you to move. <laughs> yes, he turned me into a model into one of his movies. I am actually played the third Gorgon in. Um, oh God, this was years after he had retired. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, living in LA is very different than LA, obviously, because right. you're near it. You're the near options the, are you're much larger. Yeah, but every once in a while, I mean, I do know. You told me the story. I think that one night Tim Curry was play in probably the mid '80s, mid to late '80s, sometime before I was there, but a few years before my time. But Tim Curry was in town doing a play and actually came and sat in the balcony alone and watched oh, the Rocky. Was me because I've never show. heard that story. Really? <laughs> That's okay. very was, cool. Somebody, somebody told me that. I thought it was you. Maybe it was Whitney. I don't know. It was somebody, but somebody had told me that that happened, and he, nobody, uh, only the management knew about it and said, "Yeah, gotcha. he was here tonight," and uh, you know, he didn't get mobbed or anything. Of course, then later, I mean, uh, I mean, I haven't. Nobody's heard anything. I don't think anybody's heard anything from him because he had a stroke last year. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm. So, I think there's been something. I remember there was like some picture or something of like him on the road, on the recovery, recovery yeah. or something. That's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> but the cast here in L.A. at the at the New Art, uh, they're in all the DVDs, and mm. I mean, they're like the. Yeah. They're kind of like what the New York cast was in the '70s. Right. They're the go-to cast now for all the Rocky Horror nice. anniversary DVDs and extras and stuff so it's funny there's um some uh, uh, uh extras from the original twin peaks uh dvd set hmm. and there's a bunch of people here who were all knew each other through davidlynch.com and people i used okay. to hang out with too and they're all on the dvds have you been to any kind of rocky horror shows recently or in the last not for years? a while but like it's, it's crazy now it's like i've been uh god where was it some other city that i was going to a con in and their local group did some Rocky Horror expert excerpts at mm-hmm. the show, mm-hmm. and then even the Denver group. Denver's got a very cohesive group, the Colorado Elusive Ingredient, interesting that, that does the shows monthly. And you go now, and it's crazy. It's so much more pulled together than we were thirty years ago. We were just kids doing it by the Seaver Palace. Now they like they do rehearsals. Oh and, yeah, oh yeah. I was they, trying they, to have rehearsals when I they're was the serious cast with their costumes after, after yeah. you left. Yeah. Yeah, they're as serious with their costumes as any like five hundred first or Rebel Legion person. I mean, they, oh, they, yeah. they go to like yeah. you know, movie. Yeah. Yeah. accurate costumes sure, and stuff like sure, that it's sure. really crazy I mean it's really impressive you go and well they do that out. here too and now yeah. they do shadow casts for all kinds of yeah. others so they're yep. called Sins of the Flesh and they do cat shadow casts of uh, all different kinds of movies yeah. I mean sometimes I've seen them do I think they did uh, 
uh, Crybaby and maybe okay. a few other things. Yeah, too. this one that I saw, God, I wish I could remember the city. It might have been Chicago. Yeah. Um, where they, they also do, like, they, they alternate between uh, Rocky Horror and Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they do yeah. Hedwig here. And I think it was at least one other that they that they rotated between the three over the course of the year. And every once in a while they do a one-off of something. Yeah. And they get together and they rehearse and their costumes look great. And yeah. uh, the, I'm friends with Elizabeth who plays Frank, who was the Frankenfurter there nice. for a long time. And she, it's just fucking uncanny how much yep. she looks like Tim Curry. It's just outstanding. Just crazy. I mean, we tried. We really tried. We didn't come anywhere close, no. but we really tried. Yeah. And we were having fun, but yeah. when I went in 2002, I was like, you know, I'm in my early 30s, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm there, and it's happening, and I'm just like, wow. And I have to... And I, it's I, weird. It's a, I, it's a weird experience. I instantly asked myself and answered the question in my head at the same moment. I said... Wow, were we this obnoxious when we were? Yes, oh, yes, yeah. we, oh, were. We, we were. We absolutely were. Are you kidding? Were. <laughs> Rocky Horror is a place for 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 disenfranchised uh-huh. youth, yep. teenagers uh, who don't go into the criminal or drug element, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, basically, disenfranchised teenage nerds yeah. yep. to be in charge. It's yeah. their domain. It's their world. They get to boss grownups around and, right. and be. Yeah, no, it absolutely was all of that, and yeah. it was wonderful. Yeah, it was. It really was. And I have to say, also from a from a broadening horizons on a sexual uh, or at least um, a perception level, uh, Rocky Horror was very formative for me, and because I grew up as a dumb white white straight guy, <laughs> cis, cis male in Colorado, and you know made fag jokes and all that shit, and then get to Rocky Horror and the whole epi- the whole thing of don't dream it, be it, and just kind of yeah. be who you are and it's okay, and that carried over into the cast, and then started carrying over into how I felt about my life, and it's like mm-hmm. kind of like hey, you know what? Somebody thinks I'm I'm you know loud or obnoxious or too nerdy or talk too much. Fuck them. Yeah, they, I don't have to. They don't have to. I'm I don't need them as a friend. So, mm-hmm. but I'll find other people who are right. okay with that and. And um, I, I joke, or, or also someone of either gender finding you attractive should be flattering to you, no matter what. Exactly. You know, anytime exactly. someone looks There's at you and says you are attractive, you should claim, just be appreciative. I, I, whether, whether you want anything to happen from that or not, you should just be appreciative of that moment. The fact that, <laughs> that you walk into a theater and you come out on stage, open up a cape, and every single person, man, man or woman, straight or gay or otherwise, is staring at your junk, right. and that is a phenomenally <laughs> great feeling. And that whole notion of being offended or or scared or whatever. Yeah. Uh, freaked out if somebody a guy hits on you. Yeah. It's the most it's just as flattering as if a woman right. does. Right, it absolutely. Yeah, that's you know? exactly and should be the reaction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh yeah, it certainly opened my eyes on a lot of things. I jo- it's funny. I um speak going back to the kind of the nerd thing or talking too much or this or that. I joked with Danny and I said I'm going to do a podcast with somebody who I've known my whole life who likes to talk just as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can definitely hold my own. <laughs> um, so, uh, are you doing anything else, other kind of creative-ish wise, other than Denver Comic Con? I mean, no, <laughs> I have a small daughter to raise. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that can be a creative experience. Though. Yeah, I know you were you were talking about how you've really gotten her into superheroes. And oh she, yeah, you yeah. guys watch a lot of superhero stuff. Absolutely, yeah. About yeah, no, I have a four-year-old daughter, Emily, who I love dearly, um, and you know, try to spend as much time with as possible. And you know, we love watching movies together, obviously, and, and TV shows. And I've taken her to convention. Uh, you know, she's she had been to more conventions by the age of two or three than probably most adults, you know, would in their life, you know, other than people that we know, you know. And she because uh, she loves to 
wear costumes. Of course, she's three, four years old now and yeah. loves to play dress up. So now I have this whole new experience for me going to a con that, you know, after you know, 30 some odd years of going to conventions, that is now a whole new thing for me because I'm not a cosplayer. I did, going, getting dressed up in costume is something I've done a couple of times over my life and I've got lots of friends who are cosplayers and I respect the hell out of cosplayers and, and really what they do and that whole culture and everything but I personally have never really been enmeshed in it or it's not really been my thing but now to go with her and have that experience of basically being her team cosplay you know where it's it's about me walking around with her in a, in a costume and being the cute little four year old that everyone wants to take a photo of nice. and uh, stand next awesome. to and stuff like that you know her, her being in like a Merida costume and seeing like an adult Merida you know coming up to her and now like you know getting to show a picture of her with you know with, a, with an adult in the same costume you know same thing with like uh she has anna you know from frozen so you know when you know you go to a con and you're gonna see a dozen of those and now like it's all these women that she can look up to and say oh they did this really cool thing and she's dressed the same as me that's so neat and she loves it and she gets so excited people love taking the pictures with her with her and adults in the same costume yeah that's great (laughs) so it's a whole new thing for me a whole new aspect to i can go to a whole con and have it for me be the experience of nothing other than being emily's team cosplay yeah that's awesome that's awesome yeah i mean for the many of the years that i knew you in, in, in Denver, both the first and kind of you know, uh, teenage years, mm-hmm. and then yeah, the second 20s, times. Yeah. Your your standard uniform was a pair of jeans or black slacks, uh, black shoes, sneakers with white socks, <laughs> a white shirt, button up sh- shirt with the sleeves yeah. rolled up, and your black leather jacket with the uh, 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 fabricy uh, yes. sleeves that would rolled up. Yeah, and, and a that, cigarette and a cigarette in your left hand, which that, uh, that's changed. Yeah, that's changed, but that exact outfit is in the bag that I packed that I'm taking back home tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't wear the leather jacket for yeah. the weekend because I was in LA but I had it in case I needed it <laughs> I remember at some point you were like yeah I finally wore that out that jacket that I had and I had to finally buy another no, one no it got stolen yeah when we were hanging out yeah. I was like in a bar or something and then that one that first one got stolen and they, it took me a couple of years to find another one yeah. similar to it that, I, that I've yeah, now had finding for, like, those ones with the like the, the, like, uh, yeah, stretchy the sleeves, yeah. sleeves yeah exactly and the same way with like a long sleeve I love long sleeve shirts It's yeah it's a total affectation of mine that I I my preference is to wear long sleeve shirts, but with the sleeves rolled up. Which is a lot of people are like, why don't you just wear short sleeves? That's not the same feeling. That's not the, not same, the same experience. experience no. I don't know what it is. If short it's... sleeves on, <laughs> on short sleeve dress shirts are too short. They're above right. the elbow. Oh, I can't. I would and, never wear and short sleeve dress shirt. Yeah. They roll up below the elbow. Right. And that's, yeah. And plus, you have that the weight of the of the cuff. Yeah. Uh, holding it down and and you know I, I get it. I get it. I have a couple in uh, most inane affectation or conversation well, to have, no, but yeah. <laughs> It's about, it's about everything. everything. It's about everything. <laughs> uh, make one about them. Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, I've got a couple of, uh, of I thought, oh yeah, short sleeve shirt, I'm going to have to roll it, and I roll it, and I'm like, no. No, I hate I it. I mean, don't. but yet I wear t-shirts, I mean, which is a completely well, different physical experience. Different yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I haven't, even didn't do that for years. This is probably about a good 10-year period where I didn't wear t-shirts at all for that reason, of it just not feeling right, but then at a certain point, mostly from doing cons, because I would end up with so many t-shirts, I would end up with con t-shirts, I would mm-hmm. end up with, like, mm-hmm. giveaway t-shirts, so I had this, like, whole collection of t-shirts, and I started wearing them on the weekend, so now, yeah, yeah. So now I've got, like, four t-shirts of various sure. things that I wear sure. like you know most of the time now I'm dressed up during the week because I have a regular like literally white collar job that I'm at five days a week and then on the weekends I usually wear like a superhero t-shirt right <laughs> yeah I mean I'm every Friday at work I, I'm we've got casual day and I'm I've got my my Chuck Taylor my Converse and my and my uh, a pair one pair of Converse that matches whatever particular Doctor Who shirt nice. I'm wearing that Friday. I mean, I I have 26, 27 Doctor Who shirts now, and and they I wear you know basically only I can wear them you know twice in a year, and and you know 
only have to repeat every six months if I want. But nice. some of them I wear more than the others. But um, and I'm known at work. I mean, all my all my desktop art is Doctor Who. It just nice. cycles through. So um, yeah, I yeah the the Doctor Who thing. I mean, I was really into it as a kid, and then mm-hmm. you know obviously it went away and. I wasn't paying for the subscription to the fanzine anymore because we all thought it was never going to come back. And then the movie kind of gave us, the, the, the Fox movie kind of gave us a little bit of hope. And then it went away. It's still, and I didn't get back into the the re- or the, the newer series until probably 2007. Oh, so okay. I didn't start watching from Eccleston. Oh, I started wow. watching, well, it was like, okay, the, the third season of Tenet is coming up. I better catch up. And I went through that first season of, of Eccleston and was like, oh no, he's going to do it. And then, yeah. you know, started watching. I actually knew, I was watching it as it was coming out, but because of the internet existing, I knew that he wasn't going to go past the first season. So yeah, knowing that going in, yeah. that, you know, yeah. it still loved it. I mean, Eccleston I thought was really great. I thought yeah. he was a really good doctor. Because at first, yeah, Eccleston was fantastic. And he was exactly fantastic and exactly what... The what doctor the show, we needed. Doc, it was the doctor. <laughs> wasn't the doctor we deserved? It was the doctor we needed. <laughs> um, we, uh, yeah, and and I like the way that he was subtly tied into the 50th anniversary special and the whole thing with right. the war doctor. And yep. it, it just it finally made, tied up all those loose threads. It made yeah. sense. And I'm hoping. I was expecting the doctor to go searching for Gallifrey this current season. And maybe that'll be an arc again at some point. Yeah. But he went to the coordinates, and they right. it wasn't there. We did see that. Okay, um, I'm not fully caught up on the okay, okay. season, but that's okay. Yeah, it was a very brief moment. It's not a spoiler, but it was a very sure. brief moment in one of the episodes. And uh, he went to the the galactic blah 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 by zero blah 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 <laughs> coordinates that I don't really recall. Um, that um, uh, that um, he went there, and it, it wasn't wasn't there. Um, so, so, um, but, uh, yeah, so I was kind of expecting that, but, uh, speaking of Doctor Who, we should probably talk about Doctor Who a little bit, so, um, you, um... I'm not the biggest expert on Doctor Who, I have to admit, right off the bat, even though I have spent the last three days at a Doctor Who convention, I enjoy it, um, I'm not, like, this big, passionate fan of it, I mean, my, my kind of problem is in fandom, like, because I'm into so many different things, I mean, my passion in fandom is fandom, and sure. so I'm into, oh, yeah. I'm into a little bit of everything, you know, and especially, yeah. like, you know, obviously in conventions and stuff so I'm I'm kind of a little jack of all trades kind of when it comes to passion but you were really big into Star Trek though as a, yeah and that's the thing is I've now spent the last 10 14 years or something like that some of my best friends in Denver I, I hooked up with the local fan force group they're the Rocky Mountain fan force and I've been a part of them almost since its inception since like about a year into their existence and they've now become like the closest people in the world to me the people that have all been we've been to each other's weddings and you know, oh sure and done each sure. other's all personal things over the last years but I was never the biggest Star Wars fan oh, okay. all right. <laughs> I, I like Star Wars but yeah, again it's for me it's about been about that community and it's been about sure. the, that this like amazing great sure. group of people who thankfully don't spend every waking moment sitting there talking about Star Wars and demand that if you don't do that or can't do that as eloquently as they can that they don't have anything to do with you. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing about me is is uh, that I've, I've really grown to kind of embrace this part of my personality. Unfortunately, it's gotten me into trouble a few times, but I'm a very... Um, out of sight, out of mind kind of person. So the whole thing with Star Wars, I was rabidly obsessed with it as a child, and then it went away for a long, 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 yeah. long time. And then, you know, I tried the, the newer movie. The, yeah. the, 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 the Do you remember when the when they remade them, when they did the new editions or yes, whatever? we went and we saw, went, saw them together. At the Continental. Yeah. We yes. went to the, the yes, all every three time. Yeah, all three of them when they One released them. One year in a row. Exactly. In a row. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. That was right... <laughs> 
Was that before? Be, or after it would have been right they, before right you before left. They, no, right, right before. Was it before or after they split up the uh, split up the um, uh, 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 the continental into two theaters? Originally oh, it was yeah. one giant like fifteen hundred. Right. It was seater. great. Yeah, it was one of the yeah. best rooms in town. And you could smoke, and I remember going to movies and the smoke, oh, wow. going off to the smoking section off huh. the side, and being able to smoke and move. I don't remember in relation to there. I think that might have been yeah probably towards the end of the year of it being a single theater and then getting broken up into, yeah, yeah, into smaller yeah. theaters. But I I was just thinking in terms of timing that it was right before the prequels because they, they basically used that as the advertising for the prequels. It was like, you know, to get to see all the movies again and, you know, at the end of that, let you know, oh, yeah, and there's going to be new ones. And we thought it was kind of cool at the time, the stuff that they added back in, except for Han shooting <laughs> yes. first. But other than that, you know, the explosions and the other stuff, and I was okay with that. And then mm-hmm. they released all the different VHS versions and then ultimately the... Yeah. Um, now, is it Disney who's going to be releasing Blu-rays of Star Wars and recently releasing the original cuts? I, they, I, I believe they said something along those lines, the yeah. Original, yeah. And we'll and I, see if the purest, you know, if it's the version that they're expecting, because I have had friends who have spent years slaving over like you know VHS copies and the laser disc copies and combining them to make their perfect edition of Star Wars sure, that sure, is exactly sure. their purest view of it Ben Payton <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so oh yeah, hopefully you'll plug the crap out of this so he'll actually hear it. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, I was really huge into Star Wars. I mean, crazy and basically into Star Wars and Doctor Who concurrently, mm-hmm. and they both kind of went away. Right, Doctor Who continued, but once so you're in the wilderness for one, years, yeah, yeah, with eighty eighty two and eighty or uh, eighty three, um, and you know, end of the Empire, and then eighty three was about the time that Peter Davison. Uh, Regenerated into Colin Baker, and my 13 year old brain was just not all about Colin Baker at all. Interesting. Far too, I hadn't seen any Hartnell or anything like that, and he was far too grumpy and far too. I felt he was unkind to Perry at times. It wasn't merely intolerant or um, impatient with her, he was downright mean to her, and I and also found Perry, the character, to be a bit annoying. The writing wasn't great then. But since yeah. then, Colin Baker's a lovely man. And, and yeah, the, we, we had him last year. And yeah, he just did a great the con. He just loved me. And with some him. of the <laughs> audios with him, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the Big Finish audios, have been great to see what he's doing with the character beyond the way that it was written for the show. So it's been really good. Um, and, and, and I'm much able, more able to forgive the grouchiness um, of Colin Baker as an old, as an adult, and I knew what he was going through. And uh, his whole thing, he said he wanted to kind of do the Eccleston thing, and he was roped into wearing that god-awful suit. And But then he went and said, you know, like it or leave it, I am the Doctor, and that's just how, what you're going to have to deal with. Yeah. And it's like, okay. <laughs> um, but then, obviously, with Capaldi, I'm... I'm Finding just this, just yeah. I'm still. I don't hate Matt Smith, but I feel that for the a time there, that Doctor Who was being aimed, written and aimed toward a demographic in order to broaden the fan base um, with absolute success. With (laughs) absolute success, and I, I there's things I like about that infusion of. Teenage fangirl fandom that I like that, and I'll get to that in a second. But I feel like Matt Smith's Doctor was not written for me, even though he is a brilliant actor. I like him right. as the Doctor. I just feel like some of the stories were a bit simplistic and not well thought through. A lot of the paradoxes didn't make sense. And Capaldi has been as much of a breath of fresh air as you know other times in Doctor Who. And for me, having a more avuncular 
asexual, very alien, very uh, eccentric, truly eccentric, right. not just quirky and weird, eccentric doctor, very much a combination of one, three, and four, and yeah. loving it. And also an actor who is a fan of the show from day one. Um, and, you know, we all know Capaldi's history with the writing of the letter to Radio Times, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, yeah. and all that. So, but going back to teenage girl fandom, I've had this conversation several times with people who are uh, into the kind of uh, gender bending doctor and cosplay, and also people who are of the trans community doing cosplay, and talking about how I really credit Russell Davis with, with, Bringing in uh, uh, of of gender, uh, race, and um, uh, trans blinding Doctor Who, making that that universe <laughs> um, open to any and all possibility. And you see a show, you see these characters, you see this story. Some people just happen to be black. Some people just happen to be gay. Right. Some people just happen to be female. Some people just happen to be transgender. And that's just the way some the world. Some people happen to be alien. And some <laughs> happen to be alien. That's just that's the world that we live in. That's the universe we live in. And it should just be okay. And it is in that universe. And part of it. And that's translated to fandom. Now, leap forward to Matt Smith. Bringing in all these teenage girls who, ba-dum, 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 David Tennant and Matt Smith, and the teenagers of today don't give a crap about who, what anybody is as far as orientation goes or anything like that, or race and that kind of thing. They really doesn't, they don't care about that stuff. It's not part of their 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 world for the most part, um, and that has further made it okay for don't matter who you are, no matter what you look like, no matter what. What race, sex, gender, blah blah, size, anything you are, you want to dress up like your favorite character. Fucking do it and do it well, and and it will be applauded and and welcomed yeah. and liked and embraced. Which we have definitely seen over the last three days because I've seen every variation of everything. Uh, yes, you know, yeah, the girls, the girls, and now the guys right. in the TARDIS outfits yeah. and the TARDIS dresses and yeah. the um, you know, and a girl dressing as a femme doctor or a trans woman dressing as a uh, feminized yeah, Victorian male, coquette, <laughs> right? Or male doctor or yeah. whatever, and you know, you've got there's these um, kind of crowds of, of um, trans men that, mm-hmm. uh, dressed as male doctors but then mm-hmm. you have other ones that are dressed as female doctors and then a female jack or this and it's just, it's fantastic. It's all good. Yeah. It's fantastic and especially you and I are old codgers we come from the old boys school of sci-fi of, of it's a boys club and blah de blah de blah and you know um, and and it's, it's, it's good. That, that's such a small component of fandom now of the just the guy you know the angry yeah. nerd guys who just want to see sexy women to being sexy women yeah. and nothing else well and actually being so involved in in all the different fandoms and and you know with cons seeing so many different groups come in doctor who more probably more so than most other things has really engendered that i mean no pun intended <laughs> star trek started that yeah it, a little it bit has opened the door but i don't the think door. the star trek fandom did that in the same you're way. Right. You're absolutely the, well, right. Whereas the show itself Boys may Club. have had some of that. Star Trek fandom has never. Well, okay. Let me. I mean, not make a too overly simplistic a statement. I mean, because obviously the idea, the infinite diversity and infinite combinations, was always a big hallmark in fandom and in, and in Star Trek fandom. But in terms of what fandom that brought in, in terms of sheer numbers into the conventions, 
Doctor Who has definitely far more, and anime actually in the same way, has brought in far more in terms of bringing in new generations of people into fandom and new generations of people into the cons. That I believe Star Trek and Star Wars have not done in the same way, although Star Wars is way better at it because of the shows that have been targeted towards kids and all the toys and having the Lucasfilm and then the Disney machine after that being so good at bringing in new generations every couple of years into that fandom is one word for it, but really into that interest or passion or whatever. So you have all these kids get into Star Wars and all these kids get into Doctor Who, yeah. all these kids get into anime in a way that they are not into Star Trek. And the new movies have not done anything to help that, in my opinion. I think that those movies, while well made and are bringing Star Trek to a whole different, more mainstream audience, it's an audience that is not a fandom audience. And it's an audience that is not going to conventions because of those movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've seen Star Trek fandom. Yeah, it's really morphed and changed, and it's not. It's lumped in with everything else now. It's lumped into more general. Whereas for 30 years, Star Trek fandom is what ruled fandom. Star Trek fandom was fandom, you know. Starfest. Yeah, exactly. Star, very Star Trek based. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, so it's a whole new thing, and I, yeah, that's the thing is Doctor Who. I mean, especially. I have a theory about the whole Doctor Who, uh, Matt Smith thing. I'm if you have letters, if you have people emailing you, you're going to get lots of responses to this, I'm sure. But my contention really is from being my point of view on it, not watching Doctor Who but not being a humongous Doctor Who fan, like I said, having more of an overview of fandom in general and looking at it from the convention point of view. My theory is that they hit that at a right time that it was uh, when Twilight had ended. That just even looking at like San Diego for like years, I had been to San Diego the first year that Twilight was there, and that was what took over San Diego, and it and it ruled San Diego for three years, and then as soon as Twilight was over, that group had needed the next thing to be into, and Doctor Who provided that with Matt Smith because that that almost coincided exactly. It'd be with interesting that ending. if that was just a coincidence or yeah. if it was a calculated move. It might have been a little bit, a bit probably of a little bit of both. I think I think it's like with a lot of things, like with us at the time we started, it's hitting the zeitgeist. It's just being there at the right time. Well, if anybody you know. who's who, you know, Moffat, if anybody was tapped into what. Girls like what women like. I mean, you know, he did uh, he did coupling and he did other things, and a lot of his work is about has been about the relationships between men and women. So maybe that whole thing of dealing with women, or finally tapping yeah. into what women like him and Julie and Julie Gardner, what tapping into what they like, and 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 uh, you know, being able to hit on that at that right time. But yeah, it was lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Well, because really having was. talked to a lot of uh, fans and a lot of you know younger female fans, just in terms of what they're into, like I spend a lot of time going to conventions and standing in lines with people and having chatting with people, sure. and, and always wanting to find out what they're into and what they like. And at the time, it was really us looking at you know how how big of a presence were we going to have Doctor Who in our convention, and everything. And I remember standing in line talking to you know a bunch of like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year old girls and finding out interestingly for me that. What was so interesting for them or what brought them into that as a passion was not even so much Matt Smith himself as being a cute-looking guy. It was Amy Pond. It was, and 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 it's that she they was were, more of a window for those right, girls. Exactly. I think that any other person has been yeah. for anyone else. And they were not as passionate about... Amy Pond is like the thing that they're really into. It's that Amy Pond was their way in. Was that the you know, window? Yeah, it that, was the window. The, yeah. the, that's a very common thing in Doctor Who. The, the, yeah. the, the, well, the companion. The, that's the, the role companion that they play. is our window. Yeah. That they are yeah. our key to the door of traveling yeah. with the Doctor. But in her they're case, starting ones. as a young girl, yes. having first encountered yes. him at that age, yes. and then still pining over him for those yes. ten years, you know, waiting or however many years it was, waiting for him to come back without question. And then yeah. you got the whole thing between Amy's choice. 
between Roy and the right. Doctor. Yeah. And yes, 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 the yes, yes. All, yeah. all just boom, 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 yeah. lines up. <laughs> um, yeah. And, 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 you know, I mean, Matt Smith did the thing, and my, yeah, my, my whole thing is, is, you know, as long as there's new episodes of Doctor Who, yeah. It's still being made, and I right. think at this point it's <laughs> never going to go away. I don't think no. Doctor Who will ever go away. I think you know, fifty years from now there will be a hundredth anniversary, yeah. and and it'll still be going. It'll still be a thing, and and more so than any other other thing, except maybe Star Wars at this point. Right. But you know, we'll see. And even even when, and I am predicting, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but sometime in the next ten years, the general populace is going to get sick to death of nerd shit and they're going to they're going to move on to whatever the next yeah, it'll thing actually is wane. there'll be a, it, there'll be a rise and yeah, fall yeah it, there will be very there will be fewer comic people going to see comic book movies right. and people are going to get sick of it and it's going to move on but doctor who's going to persist yeah. so well we're just over an hour um uh, plug your shit plug my shit okay well definitely the thing you know i want people to do is go to denvercomiccon.com um, and check out the show. See if you know if you're in the Denver area or you're looking for some place to travel to Memorial Day weekend. You know we're gonna have a lot of fun for you to do. We're gonna have you know th- hundreds of thousands of square feet of dealers and twenty to thirty panel rooms. How many and, people are you expecting this year? How many? Uh, our cap is increased. I mean we're always at the mercy of the convention center and and, and the fire marshal. Um, you know I don't like to talk exact numbers, but just say that we have more capacity than we had last year and our total. Traffic attendance of people coming over the course of the three days was like eighty six thousand people. Cool. So we, you know, we have in the capacity year. in our third year. Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in our fourth year, we have the capacity to do even bigger. Um, we think we've, we're putting together a really incredible guest list. There's still even a lot of people that we haven't even announced yet. We don't announce until we get finalized contracts. So we'll be announcing, you know, right up until the weeks before the show. Um, I think it's going to be a great time. And also, look up the nonprofit. If you're an educator, um, if you're, you know, working in a school district, or you're, you're looking for things, you know, that the kids can do, the curriculum is being made available online for people to use in their own schools without actually having to have us there for the program. And that's actually, the, the, the current name of that is Pop Culture Classroom. Okay. So go to popcultureclassroom.org and look into the nonprofit. It's it's an amazing after-school program for kids. We, we, you know, in the years that we've been doing it, we've inspired so many people. Um, we actually, at various years, we've had possibilities or parts of the program where kids who locally went through the program, they've gone through this whole experience of writing, drawing, working together in teams, editing, putting together a book, at the end of which they actually have produced an, a full comic after six weeks. And then in some cases, they've had the opportunity to actually come to the convention and get that additional experience of, I've created this thing that is mine that I can be proud of, that I've made this this work of, you know, crazy, created this work of creativity that I can now sit at a table next to some of the biggest named comic artists and have a table where I'm actually having people walk up and look at my stuff and see what I've done and get that experience of what a working professional would see is like I've produced this and people will come up sometimes and ask for their books or, or you know want their books and have them sign it and stuff like that and it's that next step of giving them maybe a concept that they had never had before that this is a potential career or this is something that I could actually do you know that I could I could work in this field and create something and produce something and then promote it and then you know be, be someone who's made something in the world that's and awesome have people look at it and respect it that's awesome yeah. um, you, do you have online contacts for you at all if you want to get people or just go through Denver Comic yeah just go through Denver comiccon.com that's okay. that's definitely the best way you know and definitely we're still looking for volunteers you know if, if you're interested in looking for staff on that you know definitely people in the local area because we primarily try to keep our volunteers in the local area just so that they can make meetings and stuff like that you know right. there's lots of you know stuff on the website that lists volunteer opportunities mm-hmm. and stuff on denvercomiccon.com cool um real quick anything that you're recommending that's coming out other than your convention there any anything that's coming around the bend or that you've seen recently that you really want to recommend 
Avengers: Age of Ultron. Okay, cool. cool. <laughs> little, little bitty movie. It's a little, little thing. thing. It's just a little like independent film that Joss Whedon did. That you know, it's just going to be mostly people that he's worked with before. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It, I think it's like a, on a lower string budget. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> a little, little. Yeah, side I, mean, I think they're just hoping that, that enough people come out opening weekend to maybe you know, give it a little <laughs> bit of a notice. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for your time. I really, it's been great catching up with you this weekend. It's been good to see you, man. So yeah, it's been wonderful. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, gee, no problem. Um, uh, as usual, I'm a Saint Mike at Saint Michael on Twitter. S A Y N T M Y K L. You can find us online at something two XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and Google Plus. Check out our blog and please listen to past episodes on WordPress. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. And remember, please be kind. The Something Something Experience podcast was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37 was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Cesari. You can find us everywhere online as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, WordPress, and YouTube. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and Google+. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind.